afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. How does one manage to maintain one's spirituality when the whole world seems to have been turned upside down? In a world where what was previously right seems wrong and what was wrong now seems right, how does one maintain a sense of balance? How do we sort out the distinctions? What do we believe? What is real and what is fake news? How does one maintain authenticity when faced with toxicity? Well, today's show is going to offer some methods you can use to find your center, even when the world has gone crazy. So stay here for it. So once upon a time, not so very long ago, even less than a year ago, or a little over a year ago, excuse me, uh, we uh, lived in a world where it would have been considered to be a terrible wrongdoing for a president to lie to his people. But now, uh, our president lies constantly, even in the face of absolute evidence that, to the contrary, even in the face of, uh, of videos of him saying one thing, there's another video of him denying he ever said that thing. And yet, the people are told to believe that. Once upon a time, we lived in a world where the news was considered to be objective and, uh, and, and, and impartial, not attached to party politics. Sure, there was an op-ed page. There was an opinion uh, segment of any show. But there was not this uh, uh, propaganda. Now we see that entire uh, radio and TV stations can be bought by a political party. So that they can teach a say only what that political party wants them to say. These are the kinds of things that happen in a dictatorship. They've never happened in America before. And so our minds are trying to bend around this and figure out what we're supposed to do with that kind of information. And for many of us, the world seems to have tilted. For many of us, the rug seems to have been pulled out from underneath our feet. For many of us, it feels as if we're floating in outer space somewhere. This kind of uh, ethical quandary puts us in a miasma of uh, swampland, if you will, of uh, new territory that we don't know how to uh, breach. We don't know how to build a bridge over it. We don't know how to get through it. What we've got in our favor in an external way is the vote. We can vote. Many people don't vote because they say, why would I vote when it doesn't do any good anyway? But of course... They never know what good it would do because they don't vote. And, I, and, and other people say, well, they don't vote because, you know, there's no good candidate out there. And I would say, you know, this is our, our responsibility to own our freedom. The vote is our responsibility. It's not just our free, freedom to, to vote. It is our responsibility as citizens to vote our conscience. And so I would encourage all of the listeners to vote. On an external basis, I would say one of the things you can do 
to maintain your spirituality in a world that seems to have gone up upside down is to vote. Vote your conscience. Vote in local elections. Vote in state elections. Vote in county elections. Vote in uh, national elections. Vote, vote, and vote. Because that's how you'll have your say. Of course, you can also write op-ed letters. You can also sign petitions. You can also write letters to your senators and congressmen. You can also do the, uh, do the, uh, speak up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, speak to your friends and your family members about how you feel. Argue your case, if you will. Those are some of the things we can do on an external basis, and I encourage people to do those things. They make us feel as if we are doing something instead of just sitting here watching the horror unfold. But what do you do about your spirituality? So first thing we need to know is spirituality is an inside job. And all this stuff that's happening on the external is impacting us internally. So every time that we see that uh, our president has lied to us, Every time we suspect that there's been collusion with Russia to upset an American election, every time we see that, we're, we're thrown out into the external world in a way that sort of makes us leave our body, in a way that sort of says, how, how, how can this be? How can this be that this is happening? These things are insane. They're crazy. They don't make sense. They seem all wrong. But everyone keeps telling us that they're right because that's our president and we need to do what our president says. It's kind of a double bind. It's kind of a little bit like a parent who tells a child to do the wrong thing and insists that it's the right thing. Insists to the child that it's right, for example, for the child to have to parent his or her siblings and the parents. That's the right thing and the child is very good for doing it. In fact, the child's having to give up his or her authenticity his or her childhood, to do this thing, all the while thinking that this is the thing that I do. This is my identity. This is how I make my mark on the world. I take care of everyone. That's topsy-turvy. It's what we call in my field crazy-making. Um, it, it is a double bind. So a double bind is where you're driving down the street, for example, and you know we're taught to read street signs. And there's a street sign that says, do not read this sign and under penalty of law. And so we're being told to read the sign, but don't read the sign. Well, that's kind of like what's happening to us here in America. We're being given a double bind. Trust your president, but don't trust your president. Trust your president because he's the president. Trust your congressman because they're congressmen. But don't trust them because they're lying. They're trying to take away your medical care. They're trying to make sure that uh, the rich get a lot of money, but the poor don't get anything. They're trying to make sure that your food stamps are taken. They're trying to make sure that Social Security and Medicare are taken. They're trying to do things to harm the middle class and the poorer people while the rich class are held up as icons. So 1% of the population is being taken care of. Exactly 1% of the population is being taken care of. And the rest of us are on our own. And we're being told that this is right, just like that child is being told that it's right for her to, or him to continue to have to take care of parents and siblings because that makes them into a good person. It makes parents proud of them. 
So this topsy-turvy, this, this double bind that we're in is confusing and confounding. It makes us wonder what's really true and what's really false. We wonder, is there any news that we can trust? Because we're being told by the, by the uh, news stations that are owned by the Republican Party, we're being told that um, those other news stations are partisan. CNN, ABC, NBC, those are partisan stations, while Fox News is the only real station. People come up with all kinds of mythology. I heard the other day that, that someone had heard on Fox News that Obama had had an affair. And not only had he had an affair, but he had a child by that affair. No other news station has even come close to reporting that information. But it's on Fox News, like it's the truth. And people are told to believe that station because that station is morally upright and Christian. But the other stations are sinful and evil and they're partisan this is the ultimate in, in topsy-turvy, uh, uh, creating an imbalance in the mindset of the people who are, who are influenced by these stations. I know people who spend day and night with nothing on their TV but Fox News. So they're being brainwashed completely by propaganda. And that is uh, a very, very, very difficult for those of us who are relatives to these people, we know that they're being misled, but they don't believe us because those other stations are telling lies. They've been taught to believe that those other stations are telling lies instead of the station they're listening to, when in fact the station they're listening to is filled with propaganda. This is the kind of topsy-turvy stuff that blinds us. Why, for example, is the ne- are, are the neo-Nazis allowed to continue to march on our streets? Why hasn't the KKK been uh, considered to be a terrorist unit? Why is that allowed to continue? Why do we see so much bias in the language of our president and some of the Republican leaders? Why are we seeing that so much? Why is that okay now? It didn't used to be okay. It used to be wrong to, to have such biased language, to consider African countries a shithole. That, that was... Terrible. to five, A year ago, two years ago, that was considered to be a horrible thing to say. But now it's just overlooked and thought to be normal. These are the kinds of things that are, are happening in our world that make us just unable to find our balance. So what do we do? Where do we go? Where do we go for truth? How do we trust that what we're hearing is truth? Well, One of the things that I've said over and over and over again on this radio show and in my books is that we have to go within to see what resonates with us as truth. We have to know how to go within. And if we've lived an externalized life up until this point, it's going to be a lot harder for us to to, uh, figure out the truth. We're going to look to something outside of us for the truth. We're going to look for somebody that we believe in to tell us this is true and that's false and that's what you should believe. but And there are so many of us in America who have been taught to believe that an externalized life is the only kind of life we should live. We should live a life totally counting on the external world to provide for us, to take care of us, to tell us the truth, to lead us and guide us. There's not much room for internality. There's not much room for the interior regions. There's not much room for us to learn how to walk the inner terrain. And, and that is part of the reason why we're in this trouble, 
is because so many of us have have believed that everything about us should be measured by a standard in the external world. The way we dress, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we act, everything about us should be measured by an external standard. So if we dress in a different way, a a way that's unique to us, and the world twitters in its laughter at us, then we think we're wrong. And they think because they think we're wrong. And so we don't. We try, decide to accommodate the world by uh, complying with what the world demands of us instead of just being true to ourselves. That's a real frivolous example because dress is just about nothing when it comes to reality. But we can do that with our own beliefs. We can come up with something that resonates with us in truth. We try to tell it to the world and the world disses us for it. And we decide, well, maybe the world's right. Maybe I need to turn to them for truth instead of looking inside myself. In fact, most children are raised in that kind of fashion. That what the parents think and feel is the only truth. What the child thinks and feels is of no account. So the parents have the truth and and the child doesn't. The child must be led around by the parents and taught what to believe and taught what to think by the parents. And a lot of dogma is passed on just that way. And that could be religious dogma or social dogma or political dogma. It doesn't matter. It's all dogma. And, and uh, so the child must believe that or the child is not considered to be, uh, you know, really a part of the family. Especially in enmeshed families where um, enmeshment means that the child is taught that he must not be an individual. That his individuality is threatening to the family system. So he must uh, continue to do what the family wants him to do instead of doing what he thinks is true. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that a child who uh, who uh, grows up in a home should not be disciplined. Certainly discipline is important, but discipline should mostly be about a child's safety. Uh, not so much about his individuality, but about his safety. And so when we... When we tell a child who to be with regard to his religious beliefs or who to be with regard to his social beliefs or who to be with regard to his political beliefs, what we're saying is be like us. Don't be different from us because if you are, then you're not really one of us. And that that piece is what makes up enmeshment. So on a spectrum of family dynamics, enmeshment is on one end and detachment's on the other end. And in the detached family, there's a lot of individualism, a lot of room for to, or freedom to be yourself, but not much affection and connection to other people. In an enmeshed family, there's lots of connection to other people, but no room to be an individual. And where we need to be is in the middle, where there's lots of room to be an individual and lots of room for connection as well. And, but that's, that's, our families fall somewhere along that spectrum. And the most unhealthy are on the other, on the uh, extreme ends, on the extreme poles, with the, uh, enmeshment or detachment being those extreme poles. So, in an enmeshed family, a child is taught that his very existence matters only to the degree that he does and thinks and what the family wants him to do and think. In a detached family, he can be as individualized as he wants to be, but there's no connection to other people, no sense of belonging. And so there's a deep loneliness and a a deep desire for connection. And how would they get that? Sometimes people come out of a detached system thinking that the best way to get that that kind of connection is to be what other people want you to be. 
And we give up ourselves to do that. And there's so much of that giving up ourselves going on in the world that there's, there, there's not as much room for finding the authentic self. And that's why over the past 10 to 20 years, there's been a lot more talk among people like myself about the authentic self. And not only do we need to talk about it in its existence, we need to talk about how to get to the authentic self. And of course, all of my books were, are, share that information, and uh, we share it on the show as well. There's a how-to to get to the authentic self, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today as well. But first, we need to understand that when we live that externalized way of living, it does not yield the results of internal balance. So when, if we've lived in a world where we, we believe the world has to be straight for us to be straight, then when the world turns on its ear, we turn on our ear too. And we don't really know what to do with, with that world. And so sometimes some people have, have decided, well, even though, you know, I know Trump lies and I know that, you know, some of the people in the Republican Party are out to get Social Security and Medicaid and food stamps and you know, programs that help the poor, and they don't want to give uh, uh, a decent wage. Well, even though that's true, it scares me to think that I'm not connected to those old beliefs that I used to have about conservatism. And so I guess I just need to stay stick with the Republican Party. I don't need to switch because I'm so externalized that I can only be with what 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 I understand about the external world. It's really hard for me to go inside myself and stand inside of myself and say, no, this doesn't feel right. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go over to this other idea and think about this from a different perspective. And I think one of the main things that's happening in our world today, and I think it has some spiritual uh, possibilities inherent in it, and that is that we we are seeing before our very eyes a battle between love and hate. We're seeing before our very eyes a battle between love and hate. We are seeing that the, the, there are a group of people who are supportive of poor people, rich people, gay people, straight people, black people, white people, Chinese people, Oriental people, Middle Eastern people, Africans, all kinds of people, all kinds of ethnicities, all kinds of sexual orientations, all kinds of gender identities, and they are loving those people and welcoming those people. And then there's another set of people that hate those different people. And they say those people are wrong for being who they are, and that there's only really one true race on the earth, and it's the white people. That's a major component of this whole ordeal, is that, that, that people that are poor, or people that are middle class, or people that are of another gender identity, or people that are of a, another sexual orientation, or people of another race, are wrong for being that way and should be hated should be even hated so much that their financial resources are dried up. That's what we're seeing. But love loves all. And we're going to talk more about that kind of love that turns to self-love when we get back. Stay tuned for more right after this message. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Many of us define our lives by what has already happened. 
It's a past tense series of events. Do you long for something else? You don't have to live solely in this reality. Tune in for To Win Within with host Strom Thomason. Strom and his guests are here to introduce you to your true self. It's time to emerge from your box and take a beautiful journey of self-love and discovery. You'll find yourself exactly where you need to be. To Win Within airs live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. That thing you seek is within you. We all want to feel valuable, fulfilled, and accomplished in our lives. Yet for many, no matter how hard we try or where we look outside ourselves, the answers seem elusive and unknowable. Connecting with your authentic self is key to a life of peace and tranquility. Listen for Center for Tranquility with host Alma Phillips. You'll learn how to put the pieces in place and get the big picture of your life on earth. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how to maintain one's spirituality when the world seems crazy. So what we said so far is that there's a lot, a lot going on in the external world, and we've talked a lot about the lies and the propaganda and that kind of stuff that's going on in the external world. And we've also said that uh, if we've lived to this point an externalized existence, then it's, then it's hard for us to, to register any kind of internal uh, resonance that can tell us uh, a direct truth. It's hard for us to believe in fact, we've not been taught to believe that we can find truth inside of ourselves. We've been taught to believe that truth can only come from an external source, that it's outside of us, it's in the teachers, it's in the Bible, it's in the sacred texts of other religions, it's in, uh, it's in uh, the things that our president says, the things that our congressmen say, it's, it's, it's out there, it's not inside of us. And I'm going to say just the opposite is true. The truth is something that the inner self resonates with. And if it doesn't resonate with the inner self, we can't say that we really believe it's true. What a lot of us do instead of really believing that it's true is go along with the external truth, even though the internal is resisting it. And so we stay in this kind of low-grade state of anxiety because there's an internal conflict going on where... Inside of me, I don't believe that this is truth, but outside of me, I'm trying to go along with it. And a lot of us live in that kind of state of existence perpetually. 
because we're not listening to ourselves, because we haven't been taught to listen to ourselves, and therefore we're afraid to listen to ourselves. In fact, in some segments of our country, what is being taught is that if you listen to yourself, you could be listening to the devil, because the devil could be listening, whispering in your ear and telling you all kinds of falsehoods. So we can't trust ourselves. We have to trust our religious leaders to get us to the truth. And that very, that very teaching is a form of spiritual abuse. For it teaches us that the inner soul, the soul, the spirit within us cannot be trusted to guide us to truth. That's why it's spiritual abuse. So, uh, you know, there, that, that idea is passed into the secular world as well in that we're, we're taught that the, the self cannot be trusted. We don't need to listen to that. We need to listen to the social mores. We need to listen to the customs of our world. We need to listen to the president. We need to listen to our uh, political leaders. We need to listen to our teachers. We need to listen to anybody that takes up what's called an authority figure position. I find that word, those words authority figure to be very interesting because it seems oxy- almost like an oxymoron. Authority has all this power and figure, what is that? That's a, that's a metaphor. It's, it doesn't even really exist. It's just a figure. It's a symbol. It's not really authority. So what is an authority figure but a person who represents authority? Well, who is the authority they represent? Where does that, where does that authority figure thing stop? What figure do they, what, what authority do they represent? Well, you would say, well, the, the policemen represent the law. Okay, well, who gives the law the authority? Well, the law is given the authority by the government. Okay, well, who gives the government the authority? In America, that's supposed to be we the people. Not so much anymore. Right now, it's not. Not until we vote. Not until we take responsibility for the vote will we we actually be the authority that we're supposed to be in America. So... So we, we've been taught, basically, to not trust ourselves. And that idea keeps a lot of us from looking inside. Or if we do look inside, it's only temporarily. So we can see that we, we have an internal conflict, but we just sort of pretend it's not there and move on. But it is possible to get some balance. It is possible to go within ourselves and find truth and peace, even in a crazy world. Even when the world seems upside down. Even when everything seems to be topsy-turvy. And the way we do that is to spend time in the presence of our own authenticity. What do I mean by that? What I mean by authenticity is that we have, each one of us has an authentic self. Every one of us. That, those terms, authentic self, are interchangeable with the word soul and with the word spirit. So authentic self, in the way I think about it, is the same as your soul. The authentic self is the same as your soul, and the soul is the same as your spirit. There may be gradations of uh, distinction in that uh, um, one is more deeply spiritual than the other, but beyond that, they're all the same. Um, So uh, when we talk about the authentic self, what we're talking about is your spirit. And if we're talking about your spirit, we're talking about your spirituality, so when, when I talk about the authentic self, the way I describe it in the book, Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, which is actually a workbook where you can work on the pages of the book to find your authentic self. 
the way, one of the ways that I describe the authentic self in that book is it's like the roots of the tree, where the tree above ground has been blown in the wind, it may have been struck by lightning, it may have lost some branches, it may have people carving their initials in the tree, it may have mean that somebody has built a basketball hoop to put on the tree. All kinds of things are happening to this tree above ground, so we could say the tree above ground has suffered. But down below, where the roots are, everything is just fine. Thank you very much. Where the roots are is where all the source of life comes from. It's where the energy of that tree comes from. It's where the tree gets its nutrients. It's where the tree grows from. It's, get, it's the, where the tree gets its direction to keep living from. The roots are its source. And that is the same as the authentic self. The authentic self, the soul, the spirit is our source. It is the source of our experiencing life. And we can pretend it's not there, and we can put on a mask and costume and actually live as if we did not have an authentic self. We can live cut off from awareness of the authentic self, but the authentic self has stopped, has not stopped being aware of us. It has not stopped being a director for our lives, for the psyche still has ways of getting us to into the right position to learn something about the authentic self. One example of that that we see relatively frequently, and I'm sure some of you are aware of this, is that we keep running into the same kind of relationship over and over and over again. So, for example, father was an alcoholic, and a woman or a man keeps falling in love with alcoholic partners. Because that issue of of daddy being an alcoholic has not yet been resolved in their lives. That issue is, uh, I think that daddy rejected me because I'm rejectable. And so, therefore, I'm spending my life trying to get in love, fall in love, not consciously, but unconsciously, falling in love with people who are going to bring up that same issue. And the question I'm going to ask is, are they going to reject me again because I'm rejectable? Or am I going to learn this time, as the authentic self wants us to learn, am I going to learn this time that really it's not about me being rejectable? It means that daddy had a problem with alcohol and had nothing to do with me. So I'm going to figure out with the husband number two or wife number three that uh, that now that it isn't true. The myth I've believed for years and years that something was wrong with me and that's why daddy didn't love me isn't true. Really, there was something that was amiss about dad. Dad had a serious problem and therefore he couldn't love me. He was too busy with his disease. So... That, that is, means the authentic self has pushed that dilemma so that we have to become aware of the problem and begin to solve it. So we keep running into these problems, not so we can be punished as we tend to think, but because we need to resolve the problem. And the authentic self is the source of that energy pushing us to solve that problem. So the authentic self has not stopped being our source, even though we may put on a mask and costume and pretend it doesn't exist, it still has great power to influence our lives. And we, need, we can come to trust that power. We can come to trust it implicitly, that it really does bring us to where we're supposed to go all the time. And even if it has to take us through a problem to get us to a new place, it will do that. So it's really kind of like we're in the river, and the river's pushing us, and we can't push the river. But that's not how we look at it. We in the United States have these ideas about a goal-directed life. 
And you're supposed to have a 10-year goal and a 5-year goal. And if you're not measuring up to that goal, then there's something really wrong with you. And you're failing. And if your goal is has anything to do with the inner person, well, that's a crazy goal. The goal needs to be an external goal, like how much money you're going to earn, how what kind of car you're going to drive, or how, what kind of house you're going to have, or, or maybe you're going to be married and have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. Those are the way the goals are supposed to go. They're supposed to be external goals according to the standard, the social standard that's out there. But reality is that goal-directed behavior often directs us away from the authentic self instead of directing us to the authentic self. And even in spite of those goals, even though we've got our, our conscious mind focused entirely on those goals and trying very hard to achieve them, sometimes the unconscious mind steps forward and says, yeah, no, you're not going to do that today. We're going to be doing something else entirely today, and you're going to learn something about your authenticity. So the authentic self is in there. It's always been in there. It's always going to be in there. And it's our job, and I say this at the end of every show, to give birth to the self. In other words, to allow the self to come forward into conscious awareness so much that we begin to live it instead of the identity. And that is how we begin to find balance. That is how we begin to sort out the distinctions between the wrong and the right of the external world. That is how we begin to become aware of what we actually believe, not what we've been taught, but what we actually believe. And so uh, what is real and, and what is fake news can be determined from what resonates within me as truth. This, this feels true. This doesn't feel true. Instead of, uh, I've just got to believe Mr. Trump because he's the president. So uh, w- we can maintain that authenticity by staying in touch with it on a daily basis. So once we get in touch with the authentic self, it's our job to stay in touch with the authentic self by, by being still, by being present with it, by not making it, forcing it, but just allowing it room to express so that we get to see who we are. Now, I want to be really, really clear. The authentic self is not just how you dress. So a lot of teenagers will think, well, Okay, what she's telling me is that I need to be able to wear blue jeans to work when I get that CEO job. Or, you know, if I if I want to, uh, you know, go out and stay out all night, then my parents should let me do that because that's what I want. That's not what I'm talking about. That's I want to be really clear. It, the identity can want a lot of things that don't fit what the authentic self wants. So that's what we need to be clear of. We can establish an identity that walks, talks, feels, acts, quacks, just like a person. But it's not who we really are. It's not the authentic self. It's an identity. And the identity could be I'm the victim, meaning that life is really, really hard for me, and you just don't understand how hard it is for me. It's harder for me than anybody else, and somebody's got to take care of me because I can't take care of myself. Life is just too big for me. I'm helpless and hopeless, and you've got to fix me. That's the victim identity. I can have the bully identity. We know what that is. We can have the scapegoat identity where I'm always sacrificing self for others, thinking that that's going to make me into a good enough person and people will finally love me. Maybe I'll even love myself. Uh, we could have the the, uh, the Peter Pan identity. That's one, uh, I won't grow up. I won't grow up. Uh, we could have the good guy identity, which I wrote about in the last book I wrote uh, called Letting Go of Good dispel the myths of goodness to find your authentic, your genuine self. Uh, yeah, that's a, the good guy identity. I'm trying really, really hard to be good, 
because inside I feel like I'm a bad person and I've got to be good to outweigh that bad feeling. And uh, I get myself in a lot of trouble trying to sacrifice for other people so that I can be seen as good and uh, or good enough. And uh, I end up maybe sometimes in some abusive relationships because I'm trying always to be forgiving and kind and loving even in the face of abuse. So those are the things that can happen uh, with those identities. And there's other identities. There's the clown. There's the lost child. There's, you know, there's several other identities that we can have that aren't who we actually are. But that's a role we're playing, as if we're on a stage playing out a role and we've memorized the lines and we always know what to say because that's what that role always says. But it isn't who we really are. It's who we, we believe we are because we, we put that mask and costume on in order to survive our childhoods. We put these masks and costumes on very, very early in life. And that's why it's hard to see that that's a mask and costume. We think it's who we are because that's the way it's always been. Well, that's the way we've always been. But it isn't who we really are. And we can determine that by asking ourselves questions about what we really genuinely long for. What do we really, really long for? What, what kinds of things resonate within us? What kinds of music do you like? These are simple little questions. What kind of music do you like? What kind of music do you not like? What kind of music irritates you? What kind of music soothes you? How do you know when you're soothed? How do you know when you're irritated? These are the kinds of questions we can begin to ask ourselves that put us in touch with the inner world. And it's that inner world that is the fulcrum on the seesaw of life. You know what a fulcrum is. It's that triangular-shaped big big block that sits in the middle of a, of a seesaw and balances it. So if you go and stand on the seesaw just above the fulcrum, you'll stand fairly still, or maybe you'll rock back and forth a little bit, but you'll be able to stand, you know, balance it. On either end of that seesaw, you're either going to be up or you're going to be down. We tend to live on either end of the seesaw instead of over the fulcrum. And we need to live over the fulcrum because the fulcrum is the authentic self. So that's how we begin that process of, of going within to, to, to maintain our spirituality. So people talk about centering You've heard that word a lot. It got used a lot more over the over about five years ago, ten years ago than it is now. But it's still a word and still a thing. And people still talk it, use that language. So centering means I'm going to my center. I'm going to my core. I'm going within me to find what I think is true, what I, what I believe, what I, a basis of my existence. I'm finding that inside of me instead of going outside of me and listening to all the yaya going on out there that tells me how I should think and what I should believe. So that centering process is one of being present, really present with that inner core. Well, how do we recognize an inner core? We're going to talk a little bit about that after the break. But basically what I want to say is that inner core, one of the ways that we recognize the inner core is through the peace that it gives us. There's a very warm, gentle peace that overcomes us when we have touched base with that inner core. And it is a solid feeling of being grounded. It's a solid feeling that we know we're really here and that things are okay and that we're going to be all right and that we've touched something very real inside of us. We're going to talk some more about that place right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this message.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to live the life of inner peace that you deserve. Tune in every week for Sacred Exploration with host Lisa Tremont Oda. You can discover the you that has been kept hidden all this time. Show off your personal gifts to the world. Lisa and her guests will combine health and spirituality to bring you the experience that you've been waiting for. You'll enjoy this journey every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's sure to be a nourishing experience. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how to maintain one's spirituality when the world seems to have gone crazy. And so we talked in the first segment about how crazy the world has gotten and uh, and began to understand the idea that externalized living is not helping us figure out the truth about the world. And then we talked in the second segment about uh, authenticity and what that means and how one can go about beginning the process of becoming authentic. Uh, and now we're going to talk about some more methods that we can find that center that we talked about, that deep core within us that is the authentic self, the soul or the spirit within us. We can find that. We haven't been taught that it's okay for us to find that, nor have we been taught that we can find that. That it, Most of us believe that it's impossible for us to know ourselves, even though we can know other people really well. In fact, we can know every nasal hair on some people, but we don't, can't, can't really know ourselves. That's a mystery. And I would say just the opposite is true. We can't really know other people because we never know whether they're telling the truth. We can feel them. We can feel them. We can intuit what's going on with them. And we can discern what's going on with them. But uh, we have to depend on them to tell us the truth or not. 
And But we can know ourselves. We can go deep within ourselves and know everything about ourselves. We can know our deepest desires. We can know our deepest interests. We can know the things that light our souls. We can know the things that um, disturb us. We can know ourselves deeply, intimately. And, uh, and, and we can have that above and beyond the experience of being intimate with someone else. And intimacy with someone else is a very rich experience. So just imagine that you can have even more rich experiences by becoming intimate with yourself. So intimacy with the self is knowing yourself. And and we said a little bit about how we can begin that process of knowing the self by paying attention to our desires. And we have to be able to distinguish a desire from a compulsion or a compensation or an ego aggrandizement. And I talk some about that in uh, Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self. And I also talk about it uh, in greater detail in my latest book, Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Authentic Self. I mean, excuse me, to find your genuine self. Um, the Compensation means I'm compensating for something I didn't get as a child. So I'm, I'm, if I didn't, I lived a poor existence and I was shamed for that a lot then I might grow up uh, attached to the idea that if I can just get rich, everything's going to be fine. And so I'm compensating for that poor background by trying to make it rich. That seems to be a desire, but it's not really a desire. It's a compensation. A compulsion might look like a desire. So if I'm an alcoholic and I say I want another beer, I'm really saying I want it, but I'm not really wanting it so much as I am compelled to have it. I've even talked to alcoholics uh, when I used to work in the drug and alcohol field who would say to me, in the last years of my addiction, I didn't even want alcohol. I hated it, but I had to drink it. And so I was just compelled to drink it all the time instead of wanting to drink it. So that's a compulsion. Ego aggrandizement is something that's going to make me feel bigger and stronger than other people, more competitive, more able, more more smarter, more intelligent, more richer, better than other people. That uh, makes my ego feel really good. So that's ego aggrandizement. That's not a desire either. It may look like a desire, but it's not a desire. A desire is a deep longing. You know, so I I talk to groups all the time and I say, you know, what would you, if I could give you anything in the world that you wanted right now, what would it be? And very often, at least some people in the group will say, I'd like to win the lottery. And I will often say, well, okay, you win the lottery. Let's say you win that lottery. Let's make it really big. Let's make it $40 billion dollars. You've won a huge lottery. What are you going to do with that? And they say, I'm going to pay off my kids' debts. I'm going to pay off my debts. I'm going to get my kids a house. I'm going to get me a house. I'm going to live on the beach. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do all these things. And and I say, okay, so let's say you've done all that. What have you got now? And very commonly what they say is peace of mind. They want peace of mind. And that is the that's what they really wanted. They really wanted peace of mind. The money was just how they got there. So we often get the method mixed up with the actuality of our desires. Peace of mind is a very worthy goal. And uh, money very often doesn't get it to give it to us, but, but uh, it's a very worthy goal. And so we can, we can develop peace of mind by getting in touch with the authentic self because that deep core, when my identity lives in my authentic self, there is no conflict between me and me. That's where anxiety comes from. That's where depression comes from. It comes from 
the idea that there's a split off between me and me. There's a me that I live and a me that I am, and they don't know each other. And and so peace comes from putting them back together again so that my identity is the same as my authenticity. Who I act like in the world is who I am. I don't act like somebody in the world that isn't who I actually am. I don't pretend to smile when I don't, you know, when a, when a smile is not what's authentic for me right then. Um, so you, you see what I'm saying, that, that we develop our own inner connection. We develop a life that talks about, uh, that speaks from the authentic self. And in so doing, we can connect with that inner core. I would really encourage you, if you're concerned about this issue, to read my books because they really do explain the how-to of getting to the authentic self. Um, and this this how-to is very important because we can talk about the authentic self all we want. People, uh, you know, rappers and, and lots of other musicians and, and Oprah and lots of other people are out there saying, just be you, just be you. But my question would be, which you? The identity or the authentic self? Which one? And that answering that question is very, very important. So the identity wants to live uh, based on an externalized standard, internalized external standard that we we've we've internalized it, we've made it a part of ourselves, but it's really an external standard. But the authentic self wants to live out of its authenticity. And what we're afraid of is that the authentic self is just going to be this rebel. It's going to, you know, this, you know, somebody that's going to turn the world on its ear. Well, the world could turn on its ear right now, and that would be okay. <laughs> we need that other ear right now uh, because it's kind of turned on one ear, and we not need to let it, let it turn on the other now. Uh, that that pendulum shift between conservatism and liberalism needs to find a middle ground somewhere in there. Uh, on the other hand, our people need to be taken care of. And to call taking care of our people liberalism is is a is a, a, a partyism. It's a partisan way of, of lying to us. To say to us that uh, we can't provide Medicare for all, and we can't provide uh, food stamps, and we can't provide a way for people to make a, a decent wage, because that's liberalism. It is confusing and confounding to people who are listening to that talk. How can it be liberalism to take care of people whose needs are urgent and profound? How can it be liberalism to not let thousands of people die every year because they don't have medical care? How can it be liberalism to say that it's okay for people to go bankrupt because they can't afford the medical bills that have been passed down to them? How can it be liberalism to say that our vets shouldn't be homeless? That's not liberalism. That is loving that is loving our fellow man. And that's why I say what we're really watching is the distinction between love and hate. So let's take that now to the next level. When we love self, when we can empathize with self and understand self and be present with self, we are connected to the authentic self. And in so doing, we learn to love others. When we have come to understand and love the self in its deepest core, even in its shadow material, even in the stuff that we uh, that are mistakes about ourselves, 
when we've come to love and understand that about ourselves, we come to love and understand other people too. That's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, because you have to love yourself before you can ever love anyone else. We have it backwards. We think we're supposed to love other people and, and not worry about loving ourselves. That, we're, that, lo- that self-loathing is a good thing because that means you're humble. That's so, that's bizarre. bizarre. It's bizarre. It's crazy thinking. To, to say that self-loathing is a good thing and uh, loving others is, a, 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 is also a good thing. So we exclude self from that. But what Jesus was trying to convey, I believe, was that we can only love others truly once we've loved the self. Love others as you love yourself. What he was really saying is, to the degree that you love yourself, that's the degree to which you love other people. Now, I want you to look at racism again from that perspective. Look at racism from the perspective of lack of self-love. And you'll see it for what it really is. So what we're talking about here is that when we get in touch with the self, we learn to love the self. We learn to nurture the self. We learn to empathize with the self. That doesn't mean we pity the self. It means that we, ta- we, we understand where we've come from. We can, we can understand. We walk a mile in our own shoes and we get it. This is why I did that. I did that because I was trying to survive. I did that because I, I listened to the outside world instead of the inside world. I thought that was the way I was supposed to do it. Uh, self-love is very empowering. It allows us to use the tools that are given to us, tools of our emotions such as anger and fear and other difficult emotions, sorrow among them, to, to balance our lives. Instead of fearing those emotions, they become useful to us. We walk through them and get the message they're trying to give us. And I talk a lot about that, several chapters in the book, uh, Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self. That book has several chapters on this idea of using difficult emotions to guide your life. Um, We think that difficult emotions are supposed to be avoided, but they're part of the self. We need those emotions. They're there to give us a message. And if we get the message, then that message can help us guide our lives. That doesn't mean that when we get angry and we feel like smacking somebody, we should go smack them. (laughs) That's not what it means. Anger is a message to me, for me, and about me. It's not for you. It's not about you. It's not to you. It's about me. It's a message. It's my emotion. It's not your emotion. So why am I giving it away to you? That's what we do with anger all the time. We give it away to somebody else instead of using it for ourselves. But it's a useful message for ourselves. So we can learn to use difficult emotions for ourselves. And and in so doing, we balance our lives. We balance our lives again by staying on that fulcrum instead of getting on either end of of the polarities. We balance our lives by listening to the self. Okay, so so somebody, let's say somebody tells me a lie. Let's say Mr. Trump tells another lie. And, you know, I might know it's a lie because of external material. I might see the video that says just the opposite of what he's saying. But what does my gut say? What does my gut say when there is no video that it gives evidence that he's lying? What do I do then? I need to ask my gut what it feels. And I need to go with that because that's my internal guidance system. That's how I'll, I'll decide who I'm going to vote for. 
That's how I'll decide to use my responsibility as an American citizen well. I'm not just free to vote. It is my responsibility as an American citizen to vote. If I don't take that responsibility, then I'm just throwing away my own freedom. And that that's the story of what can is happening here in America. That's an external power we have that we can use. But we can decide who to vote for by going inside ourselves and asking ourselves, what's really true? What resonates as true within me? And that inner world is our inner guide, and it's meant for us to listen to it. So instead of listening to all those external voices that tell you, don't go inside yourself, yourself can't be found, yourself doesn't know anything, yourself might be even evil, don't listen to that, listen to us. Those voices are lying. They are lying. The truth is that we find the truth by finding our inner core. So that's what we have for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.